Hello and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG related. I am your host, Matthew, and like always, I got my two friends in two little black boxes, Ryan and Scott. I'm here this time. It is time. I'm here. It is It is now. It is the appointed hour. It's our time. Our time down here. We won't necessarily be in the little black boxes too much. Long. Well, we, we, could, we have the option to not be in the black boxes. Yes. That is that is very true. Yes. We are. I am two weeks two next Thursday. Yep. Uh, a week from when this episode gets released yep. is is my my go time. Yes. I have uh, been. I am two weeks today. So. Oh so shit! I am fully and truly well vaccinated. Cool. Uh, well, from free. what I understand, that means you can. You're now. You you're not going to be able to die any again. Uh yeah. Like you're now. You're once again a more. You're yeah, once again. I let Bill Gates chip me, and in for <laughs> in, in trade, uh, he can just suck out a little bit of my adrenochrome every, you know, ten to twenty days, yep. and uh, you know now I get to live forever. Yeah, no, that's that's the deal. And if that if if that was all non sequitur, it makes about as much sense as if I had gotten any of it right, <laughs> <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> Well, guys, before we get started, I, I really need to talk to you guys about Microsoft Surface. It's really an innovative product <laughs> that I think brings a lot to the role-playing industry. Scott, 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 uh, where did that come from? I don't understand. You were talking about something else, and you just spat it off like you were in a commercial. All I heard was the screaming of crows. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, did you get the Pfizer or the Moderna? The Pfizer. Okay, so that's why there's the incompatibility. Right. Okay. Well, now we can't. Oh, we speciated. God damn it. Yeah, we speciated. PC. I knew that's what they were trying to do. I knew I shouldn't have let them mess with my RNA. <laughs> yeah. If you couldn't get it uh, in fur, we all had our second shots. Uh, we are all just counting down the hours just so we can go do something. I don't know, man. Like, this entire thing has fucked my brain up a little bit because the idea of going to a place where I would have to breathe the same air as other people still freaks me right the shit out. Uh, I won't lie. I was talking to Linda today about, because I was having, I'm having a little bit of an anxiety day, but I was like, the thought of going to media the people doesn't give me anxiety. The next step after, which is the weird obligation slash calendar that I have to like start mentally keeping track of, of like, Oh, I'm going to go off and do this instead of I've gotten so used to just hanging around my house on the weekends and stuff. Like, yeah. Logging into your, your portal of interaction. Right. Yeah. It just where, where now I have to like make a schedule. And that's a transition that I'm not particularly fond of right now myself. <laughs> I was built for this. <laughs> I don't mind it. I don't have any particular anxieties about it because like I I'm fairly certain that the hey, can we just do this over Zoom option yeah. is now going to be eternally available. And, yeah, you know, I, and I think we've moved all, like a track of along a track of this could have just been an email is now mm. a completely viable thing to say to someone and just not lost they won't lose your mind or hey, can we just do this on Zoom? Yep. Yeah, like I, I, I am hoping that there's going to be a significant pushback to the inevitable. I'm old and I don't understand that work from home is effectively, you know, identical from going into the office. Uh, and thus, I'm going to try and get, force people back into the office. I'm hoping that the pushback against that will be vigorous enough to do well, something. Well, I know it's like, like every worker should be like, hey, did we turn a profit last year? 
Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. Eat, eat my ass. <laughs> you, we made a profit, right? I guess things were fine. Hey, I want you all to work from home too. My, my commute is a breeze. <laughs> Cause I, mean, I can't yeah, work from home. That's I good too. literally can't. Uh, I just, I, I, I eternally rankle at the thought that I need to be, you know, in the supervision of teacher. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you see, like, Matt, you have a real people job that requires a laboratory and chemicals yeah. and fume hoods and shit. You can't just do your shit from your house. What, what Scott and I do can easily be done from our homes. <laughs> Occasionally I have to scan something yeah. or pick something up from a printer. And that's why I go into work two, two or three days out of the week. But I don't have yeah. to. I can do that, all that on a Monday. Yeah, I'm hoping. Well, I hope a lot of businesses are smart enough to go. We've already got everyone home. We've already put in the money and infrastructure to let them uh, do telework. Why don't we just keep it doing? Because they're going to have more free time. They'll be more relaxed. They can do stuff from home. Also, another thing me and Linda were talking about is there's still a lot of people with kids not in school. That's a big problem. Mm -hmm. It's a huge problem. Well, I mean, also, I mean, if you think about it, it means that people can like businesses can spend less on office space, yes, which is not cheap. It's not nope. cheap. And, you know, hey, that might cause a fucking, you know, uh, you know, crisis in office landlords. But fuck oh, no, landlords are sad. <laughs> yeah, mm, oh, landlords. no, they're not humans to me. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> also, also. People can put their fucking money where their mouth is and, you know, take the carbon, uh, the, the carbon uh, deficits uh, for not having to fucking commute. People have to commute yeah. to work. No, to drive as much. Yep. yep. Yeah. You can do like take that for a win. Yep. Anyways, let's move on to gaming. We're talking a lot about our jobs. Overarching logistics. Yeah. So, uh, Scott, how has your gaming been? Um, pretty tame yep same as same uh, as has got, been i've got your game i've got strad i mean it, nothing nothing starting up a lot of a lot of logistics on the back end for some stuff mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but uh pretty tame D, D wrapped up yes officially uh, yeah uh, yes yeah, it, it, it is officially complete and available to the world yep. uh which is nice I, I really liked playing that and running that it was a fun game yep. to run uh and now it's completely done yep. uh blood covenants chunking along getting all right, numbers. All right, numbers. Okay, so all right. I like all right. That sounds nice. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, people, com I get comments on the YouTubes pretty pretty regularly. That's good. So. Uh, that's, a, that's engagement. That's important. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so that's that's me. Cool. Ryan, what about you? How's game? Well, I finished the actual, like, most of the text of Rhyme of the Frostmaiden last night. Like, my, my players went balls out like all balls out like the, all of their collectibles directly out and fought like a demi lich and then immediately fought all th of oral's three forms in a row jesus yeah and they won <laughs> which is i mean fuck and yeah. they didn't drop like no one got dropped so good job on them so i i'm uh gonna have to wrap up a few things in the final chapter and I'm going to make my own. Wow, I'm surprised. You, so you are done. You are done with Rhyme. Yeah, we are done with Rhyme of the Frostman. The only wow. thing that they haven't done is collected their uh, Staff of Power and uh, Scroll of Tarask summoning. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a little tiny spoiler. There is a, there is a Scroll of Tarask summoning that is a optional, this is how you deal with Laurel button. There, there is a, yeah, it, it is one way to deal with Aural for sure. Uh, <laughs> it's real rough. 
if you do it that way. And the book has suggestions on the aftermath of said pushing that button. My players are going to just... They become kind of a... They become kind of a nuclear power at that point. Uh, yeah, they're going to probably... I mean, they're going to destroy the scroll. Uh, they've, they've made it very clear that they want to destroy the scroll without it so it can never be used because my party's a bunch of good guys. Um, oh. But yes, they made it... The, the book does tell you what to do depending on where they summon it. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. The, uh, we're going to go to Waterdeep uh, and just take the city. Yeah, dropping dropping it on Oral's Island is the smartest solution as it will just utterly destroy her like her her form and her castle and then it will fall into the ocean and go sleepy. Yep. But nice. anything else is just like well that's a problem that someone <laughs> that is probably you is going to have to deal with somehow. But yeah, other than that, uh, Strahd, uh, I, I'm playing an Eberron game, which has been a lot of fun. Play my Artificer in that. Love that. Yep. Uh, pruh, let me see. What else is there? I think. I mean, we have uh, Mad Mage, which is chugging along, and we had a good. We have. A, we're having ourselves a good time. We had a party. Um, we we got motivation. We were motivated. Yeah, we we got we had to deal with Manchun and Hanchun. <laughs> Manchun, Manchun, and Hanchun. Yeah, and we we caught the full brunt of a uh, fucking staff of power getting snapped over a knee. And it was I was the one who bear. got the worst of it. <laughs> yeah. And, Oof. Yeah, we and now two hundred eighty damage and go and go. Yeah. Ooh. yeah, it was a rough one. I have evasion, so. Nah. <laughs> in a weird bubble he just teleported his ass into his shadow got out he was fine yep i just ate it in the face oh well just step into the shadow fell for a moment step back <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah i guess my life is dungeons and dragons for now that's fine it's an okay place to be there's nothing wrong with that as for my gaming pretty good ravnica is going forward the mystery deepens there's obviously some Bad guys, some renegades, some fairies, uh, uh, Ravnica guilds that have started doing things to mess with the other guilds. And so that is what we've been doing. We haven't, uh, most of them just fighting zombies, zombie creatures, and mad scientists. House Orzov, that's that's the that's the weirdos who do the, all the undead shit, right? In, in Ravnica, uh, there's that's the goal, that's the Gogori, that's the one I'm a part of. These are. But uh is it no that one I wasn't the Golgari was it I only remember their color combination being white yeah. black. <laughs> yeah, the Golgari were the black ones. I remember Borov. But that uh, wasn't who we were fighting. I I, I I stopped playing Magic the Gathering around Ravnica. So, you know, I'm fully it was it was weird to kind of flip through and be like, oh, so those are Alexadon stats. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the uh, that's been a lot of fun. I've been running my sign game, which I, I've intrigued. They actually got into a big old fight, and they're still in the middle of a big old fight. And uh, other than that, my gaming's pretty light, but that's okay. Obviously, with vaccinations, things are going to start turning around. We're going to be doing a lot more things. Also, we got, me and Scott have plane tickets to the nine question. We do. Ooh. Hell yeah, airline miles. Hell yeah, <laughs> points points yeah Jeez. yeah there's uh so we're just gonna skim right onto the news because there's a lot of little things yeah so uh let's see here two weekends from now uh on the uh, the 14th through the 16th 
I'm going to be taking a small part in, a, it's a, called TriatCon. It's an online role-playing convention uh, that is organized in a very unorthodox way. It's, I think it's referred to as an unconvention or an unconference, uh, which is a model that is, I believe it's born out of, you know, Silicon Valley tech wankery. Ah, yeah. um, but it is essentially organized sort of in reverse in that they basically open the floodgates of, hey, what does everyone want to see at these con- this convention? Uh, and like, like what games do people want to play? What kind of panels do people want to see? And then they schedule it off of the responses that they oh, get. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, and I was, uh, I, I was, someone asked if anyone was be willing to run a, run a game of Trinity Continuum Aeon, and I jumped at it. So uh, on Sunday, the 16th at 3 p.m., I'll be running a session of Trinity Continuum Aeon. Uh, you can sign up for the con and sign up for that slot at triatcon.com. I will link in the show notes. Absolutely. Uh, and there's a bunch of other game sessions and a bunch of other events and panels and workshops. And I, I believe it is all going to various charities. Cool. Oh, that's great. In terms of where your money goes. So come game with me. Check it out. Yeah, try it out. Try it, yeah. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Uh, it's cool. I guess they just did a whole bunch of surveying and just general like yeah, internet information mm-hmm. gathering. Uh, and they're still taking submissions for what people might want, and they'll, they'll still be adding to the schedule as uh, uh, as they get you know information from the, the community. Very cool. So if you want to, if there's a game you want to play, submit it for a request and see, and maybe someone will play that run that game for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take it a look it out. Uh, speaking of conventions, uh, DragonCon, um, there hasn't been like an official notice, but the things are still in the motion that there will be one. Obviously, two months out, we'll know if it's going to be yay or nay. So we'll see. Um, but there is some people working on the back end to start getting that up and running. Uh, also, Gen Con's doing something interesting. We we are having Gen Con. It is going to be out in September, and they're doing something unique. They're called Gen Pop Up Gen Cons at like your local store, and like hmm. you can like local stores can sign up for this. They can run things. They but if they do it, they'll get like official Gen Con merch and the like. And but and 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 you only have to pay like five bucks to participate. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, in other news, uh, since we were talking about D&D earlier, something – have you guys noticed this? Um, so they've been teasing out a little bit of the Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. They're going to have entries in that book that are very interesting because they ex- explain explicitly what different genres of horror exist. I look, yeah, I did see. I mean, I read the thing. Like, there's a lot of stuff in that book that I'm excited about because I fucking love that they're going to finally just be like, here's how you run this game with horror in it. Yeah. That's what I wanted to point out that I thought was very fascinating. I don't really need to be handheld on that, but I do like ideas. Yeah. Also, Mm -hmm. there's going to be mini adventures. Also, they're going to be solidifying this College of Spirit Bard, which I I am one. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, So. And how to make like domains of dread, which are kind of like you know, little shithole demi planes where everything's awful. Oh, would you like? Would you like? Do you want your homebrew to be quasi into official D anD D? There you go. Well, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like, hey, do you want to make your own place that's kind of like Ravenloft? Yep. Here's how you do it. You want, yeah, a place where your your uh, your pet lich or your uh, 
pet vampire or fucking mummy yep. lord or whatever the exactly. fuck, fuck big big bad enemy that you've you've cooked up a little place for him to be awful in. Yeah. Uh, that's and what I like about her. it is like they have like these little interesting badges that each explain like what cosmic horror is, what body horror is, what ghost stories are like, like like very distinct and discreet explanations. And I really like that. I did not know they yeah. were going to do that. And I think that's going to be a great resource for, uh, resource for and, you know, like game masters and dungeon masters. And if you know, if you're someone who partakes of the horror genre a lot, you know, it's kind of like the doy. Right. But, you know, these books are supposed to, w- w- the whole point of D&D now, or at least what they're trying to do is include new people and get new people. So what if you don't, like, what if you're like 18 and haven't read a, a million books because you're sad? Um, <laughs> you know, maybe you do need a little bit of a push forward, or maybe you don't want to try to read H.P. Lovecraft or, you know, yeah. because I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> Uh, and you just need to like have you like the idea of cosmic horror, but you don't quite know what all the beats of it are. So, yeah, I think that's a really useful thing to you know as a sort of a setting guide. I'm very excited. For yeah, that book. no, that's that's pretty yeah. uh, pretty. pretty I, I like that. I like that they're they're playing with their genre and uh, well, I mean, it's it's almost to be expected because you know D and D is the giant monster in the room that consumes all yeah. things. Well, yeah, you have to figure out how to run everything in D and D. The only thing yeah, that they don't everything have is, is D and D. All things are D and D. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of constant backlash on Twitter and other spheres about D and D and can it be used for everything? Should it not be used for everything? And when people try to branch out, and what kind of games they should look to do when they do branch out. I mean, yeah, the, the system is meant to be kind of like universal. It's a very like generified system. It's it's a good skeleton for anything. But should it be used for everything? Of course not. Like. No. No. There's something, but you, but you can, and if you are, there's nothing like intrinsically wrong with that. If it's a system it is, you understand. it is the most generic system that actually still has a setting tied to it that I've ever seen. In some respects, yeah, you know, Forgotten Realms is, is, is a cool setting and all, but it is like the most generic of fantasy settings ever in and of it itself. Gr- it groans under the weight of its own lore. I will say that's that. true. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't call it generic um, because I. I actually don't think it's generic, but I do think because it's so ubiquitous now, it's so well known that it has become generic because it's it's taken the spot of of people's started taking the thought of people's conception of what generic fantasy is versus like what yeah. Dragonlance was like when Dragonlance first came on know, the scene for for a long time. Like Dragonlance was kind of the default for some for the fantasy for. People who took in fantasy literature and, of course, J.R. Tolkien's and right, yeah, I mean, the, the old granddad. But you know, of course, you know, my opinion is that you know, any any game that you can hack D and D into, there's going to be a system and setting that is purpose built that's going to be better. That's going to give you a better time if you take the time to step outside your comfort yep. zone and learn how learn a different way of rolling dice. So many people on Twitter. I've talked to over like, hey, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna homebrew some stuff for D and D. It'll be great. It'll be great. And then a couple couple like entries later, like I just made a whole new system. I shouldn't run D and D. Like, yeah, because exactly. the more you tweak it, you eventually just realize you want a whole new thing, and D and D can't handle it. Yeah, you're just trying to do something else. Yep. Well, I mean, yeah, I homebrew shit like when I need to, but it's not like I don't usually do it from whole cloth because why? 
Yeah. Yeah, you're not reinventing the wheel. I mean, I need, like, I need something that gives a feeling and uh, like gives an impression when it's seen. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need a whole system for that. Change yeah. the energy type on a thing and describe it funny. Didn't it? Ding. Yeah, re- reskinning is is a uh, its own beast. Yep. Um, in other news, there's not too much else. There's a cool little free game that you can get right now. It's called Wicked Ones. It is a Forge in the Dark uh, game where you play the monsters building a lair, a dungeon. Hmm. Almost like you're keeping it. Uh, I see. Okay. And do you have to say uh, keep some guys out of it? Yeah, you got to fight uh, these uh, typical heroes, but you the, but you have to fight them. You're not playing those guys. You're oh, playing. wow. That's what a completely original idea that no one's ever had Actually, before. I love it. I absolutely <laughs> adore it. I love Dungeon. It hasn't been done for tabletop, and that's yeah. great. Like, yeah, I fucking yeah, love I, Dungeon Keeper. <laughs> uh, it's totally free, though. Like, the whole book, the, for, the, the, the standard book is free on their website. Downloading that it, shit. It, now, from Bandit Camp. Obviously, link in the show notes. Well, that's just nice of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. They have playbooks because it's forged in the uh, forged in the dark. But then mm-hmm. you have like different themes for all the dungeons. Um, I like that because I've always loved. I thought Dungeon Keeper was one of my favorite games when I was growing up, and I hated that the third one was awful. Um, Wasn't it mobile? It was like mobile, and there was like a stupid amount of um, uh, in-game transactions. Yeah, so it was a mobile game. Uh, Skinner boxes yeah. and I, I, I seem to remember a Jim uh, a Jim Quisition about it. Yeah, a while when I was going back through the back catalog and it being uh, like, oh, that's that's heartbreaking. Yeah, because Dungeon, <laughs> Dungeon Keeper Two was so much fun. It was just so silly and so much fun. Uh, oh, speaking of Jim Quisition, uh, that their latest uh, <laughs> their latest video had some of their their wrestling. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen it yet. It's it's quite entertaining. Yep. I've I've been really digging the um, the sort of Dadaist in, interstitial bits. When, oh yes, they're oh those the actually whole... have a hard time sometimes. They get on my nerves a little bit. I... Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's why they did it. <laughs> yep. Um, other than that, uh, gaming's going on. There's not much else in the news. Things are gearing up. There was a very interesting post. I'll put a link in the, about. Somebody asked some more deep dive questions about the nuts and bolts of how the D and D like wizards for D and D is structured, of like how who's who's in what and sort of the uh, how many how many hands is uh, how many hands are in how many pies as far as like Wizard of Coast D and D and Hasbro and all that. And I'll put a link. It's on the Ian World. It's pretty good, but uh, it's very uh, very hands off. I was surprised. But we're going to move right on into the main topic, which, Scott, being the brains of the bunch, why don't you take us in? Um, So this is a topic that's kind of been in the back burner of my mind for a while, uh, and that is uh, the the nuts and bolts, the logistics of running a LARP. Um, Now, uh, my main experience with running a LARP uh, has been both Boffer and Salon, for the most part. I haven't really gotten my hands into the the bespoke or a blockbuster style as of yet. I'm not, not opposed to it, but I, I ran haunted uh, houses, which is kind of like running a blockbuster. Yeah. LARP, uh, which mm-hmm. because it has its own weird. It, it's interesting how similar the feel. I'm sure the feel is of just having mm-hmm. to put on a production. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I mean, yeah. There's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes. I mean, there's um. 
you know, from everything from like getting the site, uh, uh, organizing character sheets, uh, dealing with downtimes, mm-hmm. um, you know, managing like the nuts and bolts managing of the game as it's going on. Uh, there, there's a lot going on. There's a lot that we can talk and about. And there's a lot of outside of that too. There's mm-hmm. on-site logistics, which is when the game is starting up and running. Who's going to move things? That's an, usually a yeah. pretty important question. Yep. And Who's then gonna, there's yeah, off-site logistics, which is the stuff that's handled between games, which bleeds directly. Both of them bleed into each other. Oh yeah, no, you gotta have, you gotta, you gotta have it all. Yeah, you, you can't, you can't like slacking on one will impact the mm-hmm. other. Yeah, absolutely. It, there's paperwork, man. Like, oh never, god, never forget. There's paperwork. Yep. Um. I mean, yeah, there, there's quite a bit of, uh, of you know, that kind of paper pushing and, and organization. Um, I remember I, I handled quite a bit of it while I ran my, ran Fractured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's its own unique and delightful headache. I mean, there are, there are things that are just bull-crushingly uh, frustrating about it, uh, especially when you have to deal with beings outside of the LARP mm-hmm. sphere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you have to communicate to them what you what you need, but yeah. you're trying not because of the satanic panic and a lot of other stigmas with role playing. Sometimes it's hard to communicate with these people what you're doing because you do not know yeah. how they will react to you. Now, most of the time, at least in my experience, uh, most of the people you're dealing with are uh, for for buffer larps uh, in particular. You're dealing with state parks. Yeah. And you might get the occasional weird comment with them, but I think by now, most state parks that have LARP sites, like sites that are, are appropriate for LARPs, they've seen it yeah. time and time yep. again. Like they know, they know generally what goes on. And, you know, with the exception of a couple of uh, places that have been spoiled by bad actors or, or are themselves shitty people uh, who just don't want to play ball, most of them get it. And most of them just, you know, brush it off as, oh, the weirdos. Are yeah, again. well, and because that's part of part of how the park makes money is mm-hmm. through the revenue. Because if, especially for a buffer LARP, you're gonna have, need to rent a big site, or which mm-hmm. means you're gonna have to pony up some money, and you're gonna have to reserve it. You're gonna have to rent it. Where that money come now, from? On the sal- on the salon side of things, that is actually far more complicated Ugh, and cheaper. But it it can be cheaper, but it is also like. The cheap places tend to be hard to find, yep. uh, and what you mentioned, Matthew, the, the 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 vestiges of the satanic panic are actually far far more of a problem, yep. uh, because in general, unless you have a relationship with people, unless you you know have people who you know are cool, it's very it's wise to be very tight lipped about what's actually going mm-hmm. on, because especially like in the south. I mean, this is our, our experiences. We're Southern boys in the South. There are some times when you get just like, oh, you're doing that. Nope. Yep. You will get shut down um, because here's the kicker. You can find a cheap site, but you may not like the site itself. It may be cramped. It may not be appropriate to what you're doing because, again, we're dealing with like sort of the atmosphere of what you're trying to go for. Because mm-hmm. my experience is a lot of vampire LARPing, salon LARPing. And that mm-hmm. has a particular feel, obviously. Privacy is good for that sort of thing. And then sometimes that's hard to come by. It's not cheap to come by. In Columbus, Georgia, yes. if you were doing, you did the vampire LARP, you were in uh, probably the auditorium 
of the student center. Yeah. That's probably where yes. you were in. Or a bare bones, undecorated room in the student center. That's what you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you're, or you're at someone's house. Or if someone had a house. <laughs> that's actually the one that gets me the most is like the house is the weirdest part for me because houses, A, you're probably in someone, a player's house, Ugh. which mm-hmm. means their their house their rules but also yeah there's a power dynamic at yeah play. also it's it, most houses aren't built for like 20 30 40 people yeah it's not gonna be comfortable for anyone to do um no matter how low the price point is as it were um yeah and, and you're always dealing with well we can't be in this part of the house and we like and power like you said like i said power dynamics yeah. Uh, rare is the place where it's like, oh, I'm the guy running the game, and I have a huge house that's perfect for gaming. Like, yeah, okay, that's great. Oh, yeah, you live in a uh, mansion. What? Okay, I mean, I, you know, we have been in one game like that. Well, I have uh, a long time ago. Well, a while ago, but the scene kind of got blown up pretty pretty quickly, and we had to had to bail out because it was just back too- in the heyday of the cam and like the height of sort of salon larping that I was a part of there was a good, there was enough people because they had like 40, 50 players on the reg. So they had enough money that they could request to run the game to rent like small ballrooms and stuff at like motels and, and small hotels that actually could accommodate the space and have sort of the atmosphere and the logistics. Yeah. A lot of restaurants have like, uh, banquet halls, basically like small banquet halls. And that's kind I'm guessing that, is kind of where you have to look because, but who knows? I mean, that could be insanely expensive depending on who you are. Yeah, I mean, and there's sometimes like I know I've I've done it sometimes in uh, bars that have like a back room mm-hmm. for events, mm-hmm. uh, and you know there's a there's <laughs> those are places where there's a two drink minimum for game, um, which you know that can be fun or not or not depending on who's drinking. Yeah, because yeah. two drink that's a minimum, not maximum. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I mean, it is a mixed bag, and it is probably one of the most frustrating uh, times. Especially like there, there have been times in my experience when you get a, a site pulled out from under oh, you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the worst. Uh, like, and you have you have to like either weather or something happens with the site itself, uh, or you know, politics occur in some sometimes, uh, and you know you find yourself scrambling. I mean, we had we had one fairly big thematic site that got uh, event that got completely the venue had to be completely changed and arranged on the fly essentially yep. uh which that was uh not a good time uh i got that call on the way home and uh, i had to drink <laughs> before i before i told anyone i had i had to get a drink in me because i was just so fucked up about it oh my god um but it worked out uh, so yeah, that site is is probably the biggest headache in terms of logistics. Where are people going to sit down? Because LARPing is obviously not like table. Like mm-hmm. you can't just be around a table doing it. The whole point of LARPing is to be and try to fill physical space with the game. Yeah. Um, now the 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 next big part of of sort of behind the scenes logistics uh, is you know character sheets. Mm-hmm event planning, uh, downtimes, the paperwork, yeah. the, the nuts and bolts of putting together sort of the, the show notes, if you were. And I'm going to tell you right here, right now, 
If you're not using Google Docs, you're dumb. <laughs> yeah. If you're not doing some form of like, I've never run a LARP, but if I did, I know how to, I mean, I know how, I know how I would store that information and what, and how I would go about it. You know, like Google has all sorts of free tools for this shit. Yeah, Google Docs is pound for pound the most powerful and useful tool, uh, like Google Spreadsheets, Google Docs, documents, like surveys, Google, like surveys. There is so much to Google Docs that it it bog it beggars the mind, and you can set it up so that you have like a, the same, like if you have if you have some degree of like income revenue. To the game if like you're, you're taking in some money it's worth it to buy like the google uh business suite mm-hmm. uh, because that gives everyone a common a common place to put everything and you have a lot more power to like dole out you know you have access to this you have access to that and really manage things from a top down level um but like just the sheer organizational capacity um you know in my time in fractured that that thing was a godsend because we had everything i remember back in back when mandated power days while i was in college Mm -hmm. dealing with this free program that people like i i can't remember the name of it it was a program that basically was a giant database and you could not only put character sheets in you can manage xp you could do downtime you could send things out you could send downtime out all in it um, it was yeah. Man of the Power was the Dark Ages LARP that Matthew and I were a part of yeah. running, and it was Dark Ages Vampire. Yeah. And so that was a very yeah, powerful tool, but it was a very specific tool. Yeah, it was very specific, and you had to learn it. Whereas Google Docs and and the like. Now um, we used in Fractured um, uh, Microsoft Access for managing character mm-hmm. sheets. Yeah, which was a bitch to learn, but pretty useful yeah, once you figure it out if if you've got a little bit of like you're willing to learn a program or you've got some coding skills having someone on your team that does and then using that to help organize you could save you a lot of headache down the road yeah always look to your if you're ever doing this find out if someone on the team or near the team has any coding capability whatsoever and uh leverage that because Google Docs gets a lot more powerful if you know how to fuck with it on that level. Yep. You can you can yep. do some weird stuff. Yep. Do you want a full like like basically database that the PCs can interact with to mess with their character sheet and you don't have to enter the data yourself? Which everyone on here right now will explain that's a pain in the ass. When you get oh, yeah, like 60 players and they're all spending XP and you have to go through every single document. Yeah, Gardens of yeah, Destiny, no. you, you you spend your XP yourself and they just go through, check you, and approve it. That's how they have gone about it. And they have a very, very interactive uh, character sheet thing that you, like, it's not just your character sheet. Like, what you get printed out is it's, is a reduced down version. But they actually have created this insanely complex uh, Google sheet that has, like, all the crap programmed into it and how much stuff costs and over it. It's, they did a pretty good job on that. It was very yeah, impressive. Getting, getting someone who can understand that magic and uh, sorcery is very invaluable because you can do a Check lot with no that. man see. <laughs> and, and obviously if you're a guy and you're like, you're trying to get someone and they want to like, Hey man, I, I, this is going to take some time and resources for me to do. You can either 
comp them money or a lot of the time that's happened to bass you comp them games you just say okay your game yeah. is free as long as you're working on the website or the database and you're keeping that stuff up you don't have to pay for game you can yeah. just come never never underestimate the power of just like get comping yep yeah it it, it comping someone if you comp too many people, then it's a problem. Right. But if you only if you had a couple, it's a very powerful thing because it essentially costs you nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Like it, it costs you potential dollars. Uh, but what you if you're getting something you know equally valuable out of it, then yeah. yeah. Uh, as far as like more sort of uh, theater style organization, Google Docs is very useful for putting an event together in terms of encounters, structure of the event, schedule. Yep. Um, like you can you can work out like a a spreadsheet that has everything linked like in like a spreadsheet full of links and basic information and the links all go to like individual Google Docs that describe the event that you're um, you're dealing with and it's an incredibly powerful way to organize things. Your staff can everyone works on their same thing and as long as everything is organized and put in the right place, everyone else can check everybody else's notes, ask questions clarify things and you can sort of collaboratively build an event in the weeks prior to, to running the game. Yes. And that's the operative word is the, if everyone has done the right thing, has done what they're supposed to do. Yeah. That's its own. I mean, that's yeah. its own. Let, let's, let's assume that you're dealing with a group of respectful, <laughs> punctual, uh, thoughtful. You know, uh, people who thoughtful people who understand what their responsibilities <laughs> are. And who, who believe in a uh, thing called collaboration. Yes. Even, even a thing called collaboration, uh, you know, let, let's assume that that's what your LARP staff is. I mean, how would it be otherwise? Um, I cannot possibly be. Everyone's, everyone's an angel. Everyone's a gym. Anyways, anyway. Uh, my, my note on that, something you mentioned, Scott, was um, so for Salon uh, LARP, you're likely in a business or in a com- sort of commercial area, uh, 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 urban area, which means you probably have cell mm-hmm. signal if if not Wi-Fi. Yeah. Buffer LARPing, especially you're out in a state park, do, you can't rely on that. So you're going to try to print off what you need for game. Our, um, our approach to that while running Fractured evolved quite significantly. Uh, you know, we started off printing out damn near everything and- every <laughs> game. <laughs> Uh, and once again, I, I was, I was doing a lot of that. And I, I came to the point where all like, we don't need to do this. Everyone has a phone or everyone can, everyone can print their shit out. <laughs> like we don't have, we don't have to hand beat these people pieces of paper, uh, in order for them to have the stuff that they need. For the most part, the entire player base has access to the internet while they're not here. And if they mm-hmm. do not, for whatever reason, they probably know someone who will help them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and as long as you get people's like character sheets and downtimes out them to them in a reasonable amount of time before game, yeah. even up to can a couple find of a days. Way to print also, out honestly, releasing people's character sheets before the game is much better because then you can. Because I mean, I've definitely never had my character sheet be wrong, and by yeah. that I mean it's happened no. to me so many times because, like you guys said. It fucking sucks to do 60 of them. And sometimes <laughs> your brain melts, I'm sure. Uh, and, you know, it, it, I've, I've found that it's better to release, the, release it out to them, bef- to players beforehand, so that they can, you know, request corrections yeah. or what have you. Uh, and, yeah, I, I, 
I don't imagine why, you know, a schema where you always release something the game day of game and on a physical piece of paper, and that's the only thing that your players ever get. I who would do that? I don't know. Well, I I that's very old. Like I've said, that's a very old school way of approaching things. We have to to kill the past. Yes, and I'm aware. I, Let it die. I, but habits die hard. We all know this. Uh, and I agree with you. I, I'm all about new technologies, and I love the idea because that was another thing. Was like we used to get downtimes at game, which is super exciting. Make motivates everyone for game. But we found out if you release downtimes about a week before game, it gets even people more excited because they started talking to each other, each other. and yep. organizing and going, Planning. okay, we know we have a module or something we need to do. I need this person, this person, this person, instead of having all this like high anxiety at game, trying to, they've already settled it all out. Everyone's yeah. talked about it and it was smooth sailing from that point forward. Yeah. I don't know if any, everyone realizes this, but sometimes making plans is like 80% as fun as actually performing them. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. if you're getting your down as a player, like I would love getting downtimes early. Cause I could, as a scholar guy, I would need to organize shit. Like the, the, the scholocracy, you know, needed mm-hmm. to get their fucking investigation lists together like, so we know well, who's doing what, who's ready to go. So we don't have to fucking scramble Friday night to try to, you know, do logistics stuff where we, so we could actually, instead of blobbing, blabbing our fucking downtime results to each other real quickly to try to explain shit, those conversations have sort of happened offline and we're actually able to like interact more normally. And like, you can, I mean, that, that has a multiple, that has multiple benefits to it because Sometimes I know when I wrote downtimes, and we'll talk about downtimes in, in more detail. Um, when I wrote downtimes, I like to do things interconnected. I like to put p- pieces of a mystery or a puzzle in different places so that when people have the opportunity to compare notes and talk about them um, in a more in a less hectic environment, people would more often see where the points connect to, and. Um, on the 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 sort of log- the more logistical end of it, when the players have their plan for like getting their shit done and, and acting on their downtimes, um, you know that means that you can front load like the big uh, you know planning investigations, and you're not haphazardly doing things. It actually makes the game itself run smoother. Yes. Yeah, uh, because you know based on what you've given them to expect, okay, I'm going to be hit with an investigation within the first hour. Yeah. Uh, and like, I, and that's going to, that's going to help me build out the sequence of events so that they have the right information at the right time. Uh, and it's, it's, that's just a boon. Like I found that's a boon and that, that's, that's a boon in terms of, uh, um, I think we, we, we released downtimes early in uh, our buffer, our, our, sorry, our salon LARPs as well. Yes, I think so. At least by a couple of days, at least. At least a couple of yeah. days. It was well, a lot easier. Yeah, and I think for salon, it has its benefits too, because, you know, salon LARPs have this thing of being much shorter in time. So you really, when yeah. you're at a salon LARP, the, the, the tension's on to like, whatever goal you have set for yourself and you want to accomplish, right? Like, you gotta get I have done. four yep. hours to get this shit done. Correct. And if I don't have the right pieces in place, like that's going to be fucking stressful. <laughs> yep. In the not fun way. Like there's the fun stress and the not fun stress. Right. Mm-hmm. But go, jumping back just one sec to buffer one more time. Uh-huh. Uh, as a guy who likes doing Friday night monster shifts so that I can get all my shitty fighting out of the way, 
when I'm fighting <laughs> people who, you know, I don't want to hurt that bad. Uh, it's actually a boon to have your downtimes because, you know, there's a lot of stuff. It's like, well, if I, I know when I'm going to be around now and I know when I can plan around, you know, you don't have to be like, ah, fuck, I got, I got this monster shift and now I got to do the, uh, this investigation. But yeah, so you can actually plan around it a lot better. It's yep. just and that's that's another logistical uh, thing that you have to do is organizing monster shifts. Assuming you have them, but yes, yeah. If you have if you have a thing with mo- a game with monster shifts, that can be its own logistical puzzle <laughs> to solve. Herding uh, cat and cats and kittens everywhere. Herding kittens because, like, I mean, you, you don't you you seldom want to say like you seldom want to do a thing where you assign people monster shifts. That's that's never going to give that's never going to give anyone the good feels. Most of the time, that I have not been assigned a monster shift in ever as far as i'm aware yeah. of <laughs> now you might suggest someone take a particular oh, monster well shift that's well now or, or suggest that they don't take that we, a particular monster but shift. as a player your players fucking love that shit when it happens it's like mm-hmm. ooh, i wonder what's going to happen to me <laughs> yeah because you're, mm-hmm. you're that's part of the logistics of organizing like maybe you need that player in play to be the character because something very character driven has happened or it's great for the player because they're like, no, the staff has called on me as a player to be on Monster Shift at this time because they want me specifically to do something for them. Something I, that we've either yes. talked about or something new has come about that they're like, we want this player to play this thing. And everyone loves feeling a little special. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, also offering offering the ability to select your Monster Shifts ahead of time um, helps the planning of the event because if you know if you know when you're going to have specific people or when specific people aren't going to be available in play, yep. it helps you build out your schedule and arrange things so that you, you never have that horrible situation of this thing that I built for this one particular group or one particular player didn't go off the way it should have because someone wasn't yep. there. Yeah, or, they're just like, you know, we didn't, you don't want your NPC just hanging out in tavern, man. The like, missing yeah, out exactly. is a huge anxiety a huge yep. issue and for this with for your players because you're like oh i've been working on this thing but i have to go and there was a mix-up in scheduling and i wasn't available to do this and now everything yeah. got thrown out it can be a giant headache yeah you you have to do that dance and you have to do it well because as a running a larp your time is precious everyone is everyone's uh, time. everyone's time is, is incredibly precious and you've got you know different plates spinning and you don't want to waste effort on you don't want to because there's all i mean this is also contrasted by the fact that during a larp there are stretches of when you're just sitting on your ass doing nothing yep unavoidable and like waiting waiting for shit to happen so it's a kind of a paradox you have all this time but if things aren't arranged pretty tightly you can waste your time as well you know like going back to the google docs thing is like making the schedule for the staff side of things like keeping everyone on task like i need this to happen around 10 a.m i need this to happen around 1 a.m i actually have a question about scheduling stuff because i've never actually been a part of a offer larp staff do you guys have fallbacks do you guys have plan b's yeah usually usually, yeah built-in flexibility sure sure um you know for when shit goes wrong or or whatnot like i mean even if it was just like plan b whoop them well it's it's not even it's, it's not even written out a lot of it's like 
oh, we can't do like something happens. Maybe a person leads early or another shows up and they're like, okay, we can't do this thing. Move this up from Saturday to Friday night. Gotcha. Just go ahead and yeah. move it's it. More of a more, change the schedule around. More agile than that. More, yeah. Not yeah, so it's much. It's got to be agile. And uh, and usually you lose a few things on a on a schedule Absolutely. like that. Sometimes you just have things that you that you have to put off for another Ooh. game, or that just it gets eaten by the by the th- gods of yeah, time. Uh, suggestion: um, If you're making a schedule for a game, put more shit on that you know that you're going to possibly be able to fit in, because that way you don't have to make anything up. And you will always have things to just punt off for later. Like that being said, sometimes it's fun to make sure that's fair. Sometimes you have to like, well, there's got, no getting around that. I mean, if you got a good one, yeah. yeah, sometimes you got a good, I can't count the number of times that I, you know, was bored <laughs> or there was a stretch and, you know, I, I either had a pre, an existing NPC that I, that I was like, oh, I'll just be, go be this guy. Uh, or I had to just create something whole cloth to, to throw into it. Oh, Marcel. Oh, Marcel. Yeah. Oh, you were yeah. ah, so good. He was so yep. fun. He was so evil. So yeah, he wasn't evil. Uh, okay. He was nowhere near as evil as some That's people. true. That's true. Me included. Um, um but, um, yeah, I mean, there's always, you know, you can all, all build building in times where, you know, you everyone has time to rest. That's also very good. That's also a good because, you know, no one wants to be on the whole game. Um, yeah, it's exhausting. They will die. They will fall over and you'll you won't you'll be useless. Also, we're all old and kind of fat. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. And well, you're not all of us. Some, some, of us some, are young some people spry. are young and uh, spry and the, 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 the new blood. And that's actually a problem because they're too young and they're too spry and they want to do things all the time. And you're and like, I want to drink their blood. So, so I might young yeah. and spry. Daddy is very tired and cannot do that for you right now. Please be quiet. Go away. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I will say like, that's one of the best thing. Like it, it, it can be like existentially tiring, but having a crop of like eager young people who, who want to go kick some ass. That's very yeah, it really is, good. It you is. Know? Yes, go do that, and I'll I'll watch from the sideline drinking uh, drinking Gatorade. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of Gatorade, I want to jump to a different part of logistics. Oh, yeah. every glass of water, drink another glass of water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Food and water. Um, this this pertains a little bit more to buffer larping than to normal salon larping, but I promise you, salon involves it too. Oh yeah, it, depending it, on how long you're going to be doing the game, you're going to need to think about food. And buffer LARPing, a lot of time, that means oh. you need to have a staff member or likely a very helpful player who was who's taken upon their shoulders to be in charge of the kitchen. It is the is, most grand pain in the ass. Yep, it's the it's it is the most unsung thing, and generally you comp that that person a game because their job is mostly going to be just sticking their ass in the tavern, cooking food, and or organizing and leading other people to help you cook food. Yeah, tavern shifts are another type of monster yep. shift, um, and you know, salon also like can it, it's probably less of a of a problem because as Ryan mentioned, salon games tend to be shorter. You can either eat before or after, um, but you can also make food a part of the game. Yes. Um, I remember there was one vampire game where we um, uh, we we basically filled my kitchen table with a bunch of wine glasses filled with various red juices. Uh, and it was, you know, the blood was a, was uh, was compliments of the prince that yes. night. So we had this sort of very nice, elaborate, like 
and we had like some some slight red lighting yep. going on so we had this room filled with like goblets of blood you, you, which was a nice set not like vampire where eating would be normal for the your characters to do setting mm-hmm. something else in one of these banquet halls that we talk about and actually mm-hmm. like there's a there's like a buffet and mm-hmm. everyone's setting up and eating and they're still role playing cuz that's part of what's going on it can be super immersive so don't think about don't forget about that so something that we employed for one days, uh, both, you know, parlor and, and boffer, potlucks. Yes. Potlucks are a godsend because it offloads that responsibility to players. A, a vast majority, a vast majority. Vast majority and a, of it, and a yeah. lot of the players, like, are aware that they are being offloaded to and enjoy the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people like to cook. I like to yeah. cook. Some people like just, hey, everyone, you, like, and you can just set up a list of, like, all right, these are the things we absolutely need. Who's going to bring them? And you'll somebody go, mm-hmm. I will, and you just put their name by it and done. Here's a here's here's a little hint. Cooking is a form of showing off. Yes, and people like to show yep. off. Oh yeah. If people are like, oh, that was delicious when we eat the recipe, you feel great. You just feel you feel mm-hmm. amazing. So definitely think about food. Never forget about food. Well, I mean, that's or do you have to work into your budget? Yes. Uh, which is another logistical thing, managing the money. There's always the option of just saying, sorry, kids, uh, we will have X amount of sandwiches, of yeah, peanuts, sandwiches. And butters, and jellies. But just and, uh, make sure you tell people ahead of time. Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. You, you, that, a, it has to be clearly communicated. Be a normal person. I mean, that's another thing is, is um, you know, with food, dietary restrictions. Yes. Like, you have to make that call of how 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 accommodating do you want to be for some of the more common like vegetarian options uh you know gluten-free options um or you know i mean more often than not uh, people's you take the the stance of if you have a strange dietary accommodation then you're gonna have to be responsible mm-hmm. for that absolutely that is the most reasonable thing to do because i'll tell you what one or two times they tried to be accommodating for everyone i didn't particularly enjoy myself terribly much <laughs> it was yeah. It's just like, listen, I get it. It sucks that they have this problem, but like, dude, you can't make every other piece of food here taste like fucking garbage. I'm sorry, you just can't. <laughs> you can't. It, it, Don't yeah. ever give me vegan cheese again, damn it. Like, it, it, yeah, no, that's an abomination and should never it, be. It, it requires um, everyone but, to be very um, responsible and accommodating in their own needs. Realize we're trying to help you out, but we really can't. But you, but they're going, oh, well, I have this thing and I need to take the responsibility on it. To be body. clear, though, I always think there should be meatless options like meatless yes. options. Oh, yeah. it, it begins and ends with meat or no meat. Like for me, yeah, everything else is just like that's that's way too specific to have to deal with feeding 60 people like and making the accommodation. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I'm, something we mentioned is budget. Yes. Oh, yeah. Budget is another area of logistics that you have to take into effect because nothing's free in this nope. world. Uh, and, you know, generally for a game that is not just a pure volunteer thing, you're going to take in a little money. Like even the salon lurks that we ran had like a $5 cover charge yep. for the most part. Uh, and that's just we, to, to cover things like any sort of site fees, decorations. Um, Printing of paper. Uh, Printing of paper back in the day when people didn't have a supercomputer in their in their pocket, um, yeah, that's 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 a thing you have to take into account, and it only gets more complicated when you move up to higher level events like Boffer 
or blockbuster yep. or bespoke uh, where, you know, you're, you're spending not insignificant amounts of money, Hundreds of thousands uh, most of, dollars. of which, yeah, most of which, most of the time you're evening out. Yep. Um, because you really have to balance like what you charge with what you need. Um, and most of the time, no one's like, there are some for-profit LARP events. I've not ever heard anything good about many of them. It doesn't yeah. end well. If you're making a quote-unquote profit from a LARP, most likely that's like, well, we're going to inevitably need that money for something else very soon. Yep. Indeed. Yeah, if you're if you get in uh, get in the uh the red, is it the red or the black? Mm-hmm. I keep forgetting. The black is when you got the money. Yeah. If you go yeah. into the black, hold on to that cash. Because probably you're gonna either if you don't need it for an emergency, you're gonna need you're gonna want it eventually for like a cool prop or something. You hire someone to make something really You're gonna want a fucking drag. Put yeah, it in a yeah. sweet ass prop fund, put it in like making replacing your damn boffer weapons every once in a while. Yeah, that's another logistics thing that will have to be talked about especially for boffer larps or and, i don't know go to go get you know fucking costuming for people of a normal human size that's yeah. always cool costuming yeah. and weapons especially for boffer larp props for both games are big appeal they bring a lot of atmosphere but generally they're going to cost money especially if you want them to look really nice uh legends back in the day that was kind of one of their big things is also the uh the the rule of three people was big elaborate props were very important they call the the games cost a little bit more than most games because they put all that money back into the game to provide props legends did like big things they had full face like like masks that were handmade stuff like that like then eventually you got to like latex weapons a little bit matter and you know for that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff people remember a cool effect yes right and i I think i mean your led budget sky's the limit on that thing like you need as many oh yeah leds are great you need as many funky colored or color changing leds as you could possibly have because yep. they've made the making things look like kind of cool way easier. Yeah. If you can, and if you can get a, a fog machine or two. Yep. yep. Not super expensive either. You can do it. That's easy. Relatively Just easy to remember get. Uh, to not uh, cripple yourself when using a fog. Machine. Yeah. No, that's... as someone who has gotten a second degree burn from accidentally grabbing a fog machine the wrong way. Let me tell you. Oh no, you don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but back to more of a, of a narrative construction, uh, we talked about downtimes. Yep. Downtimes are, can be a big logistical thing, but they, are, they can be incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, because other than like encounter design and you know, putting together a schedule and putting together like the encounters, downtimes, in my opinion, are how you steer the ship. Um, mm-hmm. Because they are the control, that is where the players get their information. That's where they can act in a manner that frames their own experiences uh, also it's where they tell you what's important to them exactly. Even, if, exactly even if you have a guy who like gives effusive praise in everything that happens in there or hates you like literally just hates you and everything that you stand for and your in their feedback you can at least gauge what they care about based on what the downtimes they put in if they put in downtimes obviously yep yeah, if they put in downtime, that's true. A lot of like you know, some you'll have some some people who really like the downtime game, um, and those are the people that are that that's the sort of the more useful way of of uh, judging where things are going. 
Um, some people just do, you know, Hey, I make money or, you know, I fight monsters or, or whatever, do like sort of very base, like mechanical stuff, but th- for things like scholarship and diplomacy, yep. uh, mercantile for, for sometimes, um, you can really, like I said, steer the ship and chart the course into areas that will be entertaining for everyone. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Downtimes help frame out the game too. Like in some respects, you're offloading a little bit of the the, the events overall design and flow mm-hmm. based on the downtimes that players give you. Because you're like, oh, yeah. they did these several different things. Well, this would be a good point to hit these certain buttons because they've obviously been mm-hmm. working towards this. Or, so yeah, let's do that. If Or if you just see an overwhelming amount of effort focused to a very specific thing, whether you expect it or not, obviously it would probably, unless it's like utterly ridiculous, like mm-hmm. might be good to, you know, put some feedback yeah, on yeah. it. Throw, throw a couple of encounters based around that thing. obviously people put a lot um, of effort in. Yeah, and exactly. And, it, and it's also it's also a matter of, of rewarding the player, mm-hmm. of like you have put in a lot of diligent effort that you could have put elsewhere. So when you hit a milestone or achieve a goal in your downtime, like you can give some real juice through the downtimes. Um, and it's also a way of establishing a relationship with players. Um, if you can, like, it, it's a way of like collaboratively telling a story. Like I, I remember a lot of times I use downtimes to, um, to tell a character, help build a character's story. Of, and like, if you know that player's voice and that what generally that characters can do, you can say like, hey, you did something awesome. Like, you know, you, you, you got a good result on this downtime. So I'm going to, to describe, you know, how your character was cool. Right. Uh, in addition to the information or whatnot, I'm going to help flesh out your character's story by describing a cool thing you did or an interesting fact that you found in an interesting way. Uh, and it, it's, a, it's a way of sort of a back and forth of building out to the character's story through sort of the back and forth nuts and bolts of logistics that can't sometimes you can take a little bit more time in the downtime than you can in the thick. Oh of yeah, it. absolutely. I mean, it lets you be more thoughtful and like just for the logistics of dealing with downtimes is that it can be very fulfilling because just like you explained, Scott, from a staff point of view, they will get some fulfillment out of doing the downtimes. If they're really taking it seriously, they'll go, okay, I get to sit down and write. And I get to mm-hmm. examine oh, yeah. and I, think I, about the game and actually like I break it down. writing downtimes. That was one of my favorite things in the world was to write downtimes. Even the little ones like sorcery initiations. Those are all. Oh, yeah. Because that's all character flavors. That's stuff. just all flavor stuff. Yeah. Yep. Well, also, you're not creating any rope to hang yourself with with those. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, one of, the, you one of the things about downtimes that was always a bit of a, a tightrope to walk is that it, you, you really shouldn't reward someone who has like a, you know, let's just say. I got a plus one and I did downtime with it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you shouldn't reward that person with like two paragraphs of information. One, why? Two, yeah, you gave, you just said a whole lot of stuff that, you know, gave yourself a lot of rope to hang yourself with later in case you accidentally like forgot every downtime you ever wrote for that person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean that that's the downtime game is a game in and of itself. Um, you know, when you're at a certain level, you, you know, the, you're, the player is wise to attack things that are at appropriate to their level right. uh, because there's plenty of like little jobber things in a, in a, in a well-designed LARP 
um, there's going to be stuff for people of various levels to do. I don't know. Uh, or, you know, projects that people can start. I don't know, man. I um, spent a long time talking to people who uh, just, just were always just like me about it because they just didn't like, well, no matter what. It is a game and it's possible to play it well it's and it's possible to play it, to play it poorly. <laughs> and there's only so much hand holding that you can do in those scenarios. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how many, it's like, it was like, well, what, are we, what were you trying to do? What did you do? It's like, I did this and like, you have a skill in that. Like no, like what the fuck did you think was going? Well, happen? that's that's learning the system from a different perspective that a lot of people mm-hmm. are because you got to remember back in the day because I've been larping longer than both of you, there were no downtimes, guys. If you got any yeah. communication between you and staff between games was like a godsend. It was miracle. It was it was mind mind blowing because most games you didn't know what was going on until you showed the hell up. Yeah, yeah, that was it was it. more. It was a very well. Yeah, I guess we come from a very, and there are still games that don't have downtimes. Like not every right. game has downtimes. Uh, like downtimes as a part of a buffer LARP is actually a relatively, I guess, kind of a novel thing that we are sort of spoiled with in some cases. A little bit, uh, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, it, I think it's it's a better way of doing things. Because- it, it is. Here's why. It's fair. Uh, because some people I've heard in the back in back in the day would get communications from staff routinely about stuff, but that wasn't universal. Therefore, even if they did not mean to be uh, playing favorites, they it, were. it started <laughs> became playing yeah. favorites because somebody got more access to staff than these other people did. Well, it also, I mean, it also sort of gives them gives legs to engagement between games. Yes, absolutely. Like it, it gives people keeps people invested in what's going on when, you know, maybe the next game isn't for a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, or you know, maybe there's a global Backstreet Boys reunion tour. I don't know. I'm I'm I've not been in the LARP scene during uh, during the time of plague, nope. uh, but I, I imagine that anyone worth their salt would do something to engage their players. In the uh, actually, and I will basically total shout out to um, uh, Garden of Destinies. They held essentially virtual LARPs, uh, mm-hmm. multiple sessions of these things, and they designed rules to help like make them operational. They did scenarios, and they, uh, they've they done these little one-shots as well with new characters just to flesh out the story and to keep their player base engaged with what's going on without because they can't do anything about COVID, which I give them props for that. But it's coming back. The world waking up. So, anything more about logistics? I mean, there are a few more. We've hit the high points, I think. I mean, there is how you handling feedback. Well, I mean, there there is like you know when you're in the thick of it, logistics. Yes, yes. On-site logistics. That is that is a far more visceral process. That that it it's it is being a who is uh, going stage to set manager up building. Who is? Yeah, who's going to set up the module? Who's going to break down the module it, building? Oh, fuck that I mean, shit, it, man. I'm tired. <laughs> Everyone wants to set up. Nobody wants to take it I down. I never want to do either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, that, I mean, that's where you leverage your player yeah. base and your volunteers. Uh, like I said, it's a stage manager position. Like you, like handling the logistics for that sort of thing is a lot more work-like than, than like, it's like working a job site. Yeah. Because you have to manage people. You have to manage physical items you have to you know make sure everything gets 
put up in time, gets torn down in time. Uh, you know, you have to build sets essentially. Um, you have to costume people. Yeah, and that's part of the logistics um, of just having all the resources available to you, like the costuming, uh, tarp. Every, get tarp. Everyone mm-hmm. loves tarp. Oh, you can tarp. do, do a thousand so things. It's so expensive. With it. it can be. Yeah, tarp can be expensive, like heavy duty, but it's large so amounts. Useful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just don't throw it away when like, you're done. As long as it's not gross. No. Fold it up, put it it's away. It's always gross. Clean, clean it off. Keep it clean. Store it dry. Yep. Um, making sure that everyone has the rules that they need to know for a given encounter. Yep. That's a logistical part. It is. I mean, sure. I, you know, more than once I've been responsible uh, to just be like, they're like, well, no one knows anything. And we didn't really think about it. You guys, you got any ideas? I'm like... All right, you have three of these. You got three of these. You have this many yeah, hits. Um, call dot twice. Shut up, everyone. Go. If you're up Shit's Creek and you're like, I don't know. I don't do stats. Just look at the one dude around. You're like, okay, I know you're a giant gaming nerd. Yes. Give him, let's let's hear I, some stats out. Let's I have been this. given. I have been given that responsibility a number of times by people who are like, listen, man, I'm not. This is not my arena. That's part of the so, reason I got mm-hmm. on staff. Because <laughs> I knew yeah. the system really well. well. That that is one of the biggest things from a logistical standpoint, when you're running a game, the one of the best skills you can master is delegation. Yep. Know who you can trust to do specific things when you don't have the time or the acumen to do it. I would, I would argue though, that for any person on a LARP staff system, mastery should be one of your first priorities. It, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, in my humble opinion, like I personally- well, there, There's a different, there's a difference between system mastery. Like, I, like I'm, I'm generally, I was generally conversant in the systems of every game that oh, I played yeah. in. Or I ran. don't mean like tell, tell me everything all the time forever, like perfect recall. I'm taking like, you better know the basics. Like, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, but monster design, like that, that you kind of need a head yeah. for. Well, yeah. Like, I, I never got really the handle on building, building a, a good monster. Uh, just because that level of mathematical abstraction just doesn't I, I would, gel well with my I brain. I would say that you, to, in order to build good monsters, you have had to play a guy who fights a lot of them. Yes. Yeah, because... which I, I never did. I, I, I generally focused on the question of why is this happening? Yes. And, and offloaded how is this happening uh, in, in mechanical terms right. uh, to people who are better acute. I, I would know nothing about no nothing about that, Scott. Well, all. yeah. And well, and that's where it. a good system mastery comes in because sometimes you're like, "Hey, I want to express this happening. Like, how do we express mm-hmm. this within without making some up some dumb bullshit up? Like, mm-hmm. can the system like, handle the thing I want already? The is yeah. n- if the system is robust, most of the time the system's robust enough to handle whatever it is you're trying to say is happening, right? Like, so it's mostly just have someone on hand who like knows how to express that in a way that people can like react well, I, to. I think like, that's one of the bigger, uh, that's another big thing is that no one can do it by themselves. Oh, no. No, absolutely. No, 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 no. no, Like you need a team. You need to have a team of people with overlapping competencies and, uh, that, you know, that, you know, not everyone can do like in an individual encounter. Not everyone can handle like, depending on the size of it, like a small encounter with like maybe a handful of monsters and a handful of players. Yeah. One person can handle that. But bigger things, mm. you need to be able to it, communicate. You need to have, you know, trust in your fellow staff members and, you know, put put the right people in the right places to make the machine work. And this might be just being starry-eyed, but in terms of, like, the, the downtime and logistics of stuff, like, 
just the the fact that you you gotta have like a sanity check right you have to be like yeah. hey this is what i'm thinking is there anything that has been said in the past that utterly and completely contradicts what i'm about to do here because that that is another advantage of having something like google Docs. right you can at least search out you can look it up yeah you actually downtime also lets you have a living record a memory mm-hmm. because it's not in some staff member's head and if something mm-hmm. happens and they don't show up Oh, it's not a all cer- gone. A certain percentage of the game is going to exist in your staff members' yeah. heads and only in your staff members' heads. But the more the more that you can put on paper and store, the better you can build a foundation that you know you can you can say, hey, read this thing and you'll know what to do. Right. Like, hey, I know this. Here's a thing. Here are the first, here are some answers to some basic downtime questions that may come up around this mm-hmm. in case I die. So, so going <laughs> yeah. back to a little bit of on-site uh, logistics is, and is the crux of it is people management skills, leadership mm-hmm. skills, the ability to go, like Scott said, delegation, but it's also the, like be able to go look to someone and go, you need to cut that off, stop, and it's, it's focus really on about... me. And as long as they're not being a jackass, they'll probably do it. So you can get them to go break down the module building, go handle, go handle an encounter because yeah, a lot of sometimes stuff. Sometimes you'll be so short staffed that you're like, okay, you're not a staff member, but I'm going to have you run, you player who's monstering, be in charge of all these guys to go run this fight, just a fight, mm-hmm. just go harass the town because we, I'm tired and I can't do Daddy this. needs his drink. Yeah, daddy needs to go get <laughs> yeah. something and do other things while that's, go- yeah. while that's going on. Well, I mean, that's that's the advantage of building relationships with your yeah, players. Absolutely. Like, you know, not not like necessarily bosom buddies or, you know, you see them every minute, but but understanding who you can rely mm-hmm. on and delegating to the people who, who can handle certain things. Um, because, you know, none, none of us are here drawing a paycheck. No one, no one's here, uh, you know, doing things like you can, you can afford to push some responsibility and some, some authority around uh, to make the machine. Run. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why you can't look at this like a business and you got to look at it more of as a community exercise, like a, a, a club, if you will. And like, yeah, sure. Some people are slightly more in charge than others. We're a really but wacky it's, community theater. Yeah, but it's mm-hmm. all, but everyone's related to everyone because everyone's here trying to have a good time on some level. And it would be nice if like businesses ran a little bit more like, you know, syndicates that had less of a rigid hierarchy structure uh, where, you know, the, the the lower tier people had more of a say in what would yeah, happen. Yeah, like they had some ownership and stakes in the situation. Yeah, yeah like they yeah. had some sort of collective way to, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I never heard they could this. Bargain. Yeah, you could maybe bargain. Or something. It's crazy. It's almost like the players help us get to the production, so that the production can happen, so we can seize it. You know, they can. Seize yeah, exactly. You know? Anyways, uh, I think we think that's. I think we're getting on on time, but that's we could talk a lot longer about the the details of the different other logistics. And boy, how do we have a list of things not to do? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, if your players do actually start to form a union, that's when you bring in the strike breakers. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's actually a, that's actually a problem. I shouldn't have brought that up. No, never, never, never form a union. <laughs> uh, Bezos, what are we doing? Bezos, I can't, we need I can't abuse their free labor anymore. Damn it. Also um, town government never works. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, We'll probably reach this subject again, just because there's a lot of more things we can talk about. And always but bring from, enough, and always make sure there's chairs. Yeah, 
There's chairs. Oh, yeah. There's got to be chairs. People need a place to sit, man. Chairs and, chairs and water. Chairs and water. At the very least, no matter what you're running, chairs and water. Because everyone's going to want to sit down, and everyone needs to drink water. Yeah, everyone wants to sit down at some point, and everyone needs to drink some water. Yep. Mm-hmm. So from everyone here at Polyhedron, go where your fun is. Go drink some water. And roll some dice. Hello, everyone. Matthew here. If you enjoyed the show, you can always contact us at polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com, as well as at polyhedroncast on Twitter. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'm at Divis Melkab on Twitter. And I'm at Arduous, R-J-U-O-U-S on Twitter. And if you really want to show your support and get some extra content on the side, head on over to patreon.com slash polyhedron.